Hello everyone, welcome to Something Cinematic, the movie and television podcast where we talk about what we've been watching. My name is George and with me is Mike. How you doing? Alright, so uh, we've been gone for a month but we're back and this week we actually have quite a bit to talk about. Um, but before we get started, remember you can find all of our show, uh, all of our episodes on our website, somecinema.com and on iTunes. All right, so this week we're going to talk about a show we mentioned before, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a Marvel show that's currently airing on ABC every Tuesday. And uh, pretty much a show about, the obviously, the agents. <laughs> the agency, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agency. The S.H.I.E.L.D. agency um, from the Marvel universe that we've seen built up over the last, you know, five, six years right. in films. Right, from all the Mar- Marvel movies. So, you know, it stars Clark Gregg who is back as Agent Coulson. And just a whole bunch of uh, new faces, too, that I've actually never seen any, anything before. Yeah, me neither. I mean, except for Ming-Na. Yeah, right. Yeah, Ming-Na. Yeah. Brett Dalton, Chloe Bennett, and Ian DeCastiger? Is that one half of the uh, Fitzsimmons kind of Right, yeah, yeah. Yep. He plays Fitz, and Elizabeth Henstridge plays Simmons. Um, I like her. Yeah, yeah. I like everybody. I actually like the whole cast. It's uh, so, um, you know, it's a show that that came out about six weeks ago. I think they're on, they've already aired six episodes. Yeah, there might be a new one tonight. Or yes, yesterday? there is tonight. Okay. Yep, there is. So I haven't seen this one. Obviously, tonight we're recording, and I haven't seen the one from last week. Okay, all right. So, you, so yeah. So you've only seen five of the seven, yeah. pretty much. Yeah, it's something we'll we'll talk about. Right. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, it's. Pretty, I think it's a pretty interesting show. the The pilot was directed by Joss Whedon, I believe. Yeah. Um, and he also wrote the the pilot, right? Yeah. So. And the show is is uh, the showrunners of the show are Jed Whedon and his wife, uh, whose name slipped my mind at the moment. You mean Joss uh, Whedon's wife? No, Jed Whedon's wife. Okay. Uh, who also worked on? I just Wikipedia it before uh, we came to the show. I okay. was surprised myself, but now I can. So- <laughs> Sound knowledgeable. No, George. Okay. It's Jim. I could have sworn it was Joss Whedon's life. Uh, well, it, blame Wikipedia All if right. I'm wrong. All right. Sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the same people behind uh, the sing-along, Dr. Evil sing-along block. Yeah. Uh, the right. same people who wrote and, and directed that. Yeah. Um, this is a, a really interesting. I mean, you said it was kind of a unique show, and it's like it is kind of unprecedented to have a show come into being this way. I mean, we've seen it built up. We've never seen... A series of movies built up in the way that the Marvel Universe has been built up with Iron Man and Thor and, and yeah. all the other movies kind of tied together. Mm-hmm. But then for that to spawn a television show that yeah. is tied into those movies, this is it's unprecedented. Yeah, definitely. And really interesting. I mean, for people like us who, who really like the movies and are kind of into that whole thing, yeah, to have this kind of big-budget, major-network television show built off that mm-hmm. uh, was really exciting. I know we talked about it a lot. And... Uh, I have really, really mixed feelings about it. I mean, yeah. you mentioned at the beginning of the show that we have a lot to talk about. Uh-huh. I was texting you like back and forth between the, uh, you know, during the week about all of the things I've seen, uh-huh. and <laughs> I still I've had that last episode sitting on my DVR for a week. Okay. And every time I go through my DVR, I think eh, I'll watch something else. Really? Yeah, I'm really surprised at the at mm. the fact that this show has become kind of that show for me. This show that mm. kind of sits on my DVR and I. I look at it and I think, uh, I should watch it, but I don't know. I don't want to watch I'm not in the mood to watch it. And, mm-hmm. and it's it's odd for a show that is ostensibly this, like, fun action-adventure show. Which, yeah. as you know, like, I love action-adventure stuff. And 
And for a show that's supposed to be fun, I find it really boring. Really? Yeah, most of the time I find myself half watching it because I'm just not interested in what's happening. Huh. And it, there was there was an exception, I would say. I gave it a lot. I, I liked the first episode, yeah. the, the pilot, oh, uh, great, the yeah. Joss Whedon directed one. And yeah, I, I liked it. It had a lot of energy. It was fun. It was introducing the characters, some of whom I thought were I wasn't a huge fan of, the the main the male lead. Uh, I forget his Not name. Clark you Greg. Not Clark Gregg. Not Clark I'm sorry. Clark Gregg is fantastic. Oh, he's great. As he's you would awesome. expect. I mean, he's the same guy you loved in all of the Marvel movies. Uh, Brett Dalton. Brett Dalton, yeah. Uh, uh, who plays Grant Ward. Who plays Grant... Who could, or any other generic male character name, because he seems to be the most generic male character. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I've seen yeah. it in a while. There's, like, nothing interesting about him. Yeah. And uh, Okay, I, I'll give you that. I'll give uh, you that. Well, I... It just it didn't grab me. I get the the first episode was was pretty good, yeah. and then the second episode was like immediately fell off for me. It was kind of a chore. Same with the third, and then hmm. the fourth episode. I felt like the show really found its voice. Okay, it was a it was fantastic. They had to infiltrate some base, uh, and the guy uh, the guy that I was just criticizing actually showed some life and he showed some humor in the way he worked his way through there were lots of little jokes that I mm-hmm. thought landed perfectly yeah and I was really I really got excited after that I thought like finally yeah. this show kind of found its voice it's finding that balance between like the fun actiony stuff and then kind of that Whedon cute stuff that you've seen from like Firefly and right. Buffy I guess I've never I've never seen Buffy mm-hmm. but I, people love it I, people say it's great right so it's a lot of that same vibe and then episode 5 came out and it was super boring again I um, episode five is the one where they concentrate on Sky, yeah. the character. Yes, and like, which is strange because that's another one where it's like you're getting a lot of character backstory, yeah. and a lot of stuff revolving around the characters. It's a little bit less of a monster of the week type thing, right? But it totally didn't. It totally really. Me. I actually disagree with. Huh? I mean, I agree with some of the things you're talking about. Yeah, I don't. Uh, Grant Ward's character, yeah, the Grant Ward character. Yeah, he's he seems like the only one that hasn't really gotten yeah like a backstory or uh-huh. or just like they haven't built his character enough yet. Mm-hmm. He, like he's just a, you're right a total stereotype right now and just this cliche of a character. Um, but overall, like I like everybody else. I like Colston. You know, of course he's great. Yeah. Um, I like the mystery behind that. You know what, what yeah. happened with Avengers and you you know it's like, right. I mean, if you, people know he died in right. in the Avengers, yeah, and so, now he's coming back, and there's kind of a mystery around that. How exactly it happened? Right. What happened? Yeah, and and I like I, I like uh, I actually like Sky the Sky character, uh-huh. um, by played by uh, Chloe Bennett. Mm-hmm. I like her. I like that episode, the one that you said was boring, the one yeah. that concentrated on her. Like I thought that was a really important episode because you're getting more backstory on her too. You're you know you're getting an idea of that she comes from a broken family and then you know just that there's that twist in there. Yeah, well, there's kind of there's been a thread since the beginning mm-hmm. of uh, like what is her real intention? Right. What are her intentions? Joining up with Shield because she plays. Uh, I mean, as you said, the, the show revolves around uh, Shield, the the shadowy organization, government organization mm-hmm. that we've seen in the Marvel movies. And she starts out as a member of uh, the Rising Tide, I think it's called, right, uh, like yeah. this hacker group that's like, opposed to Shield. Right. And they recruit her, and there's kind of this question over what are her motivations with right. joining Shield. Right. And so yeah, we see a lot Where of that. Where does her loyalty lie? You know, like yeah, r- I'm not sure. Do we see that entirely resolved in that fifth episode? Uh, it seems like they kind of wrapped it up, and I was a little disappointed with how it was wrapped up. Although it may, maybe they haven't completely wrapped it up. No, I don't think they have completely wrapped it up. But I mm-hmm. think they did give you a sense that 
that she was remorseful. Like she's finally starting to really accept her parole with Shield. Yeah. And then I, I don't know. I I I like her. I like I like the uh, Fitz and Simmons characters too. I, I think they're fantastic. How could you not like Fitz and Simmons? Right. Exactly. So they have a, a lot of really lovable characters. Uh-huh. I think you know. But, you know, I agree with you. The first episode was fantastic. You know, it definitely had a, a Whedon feel to it mm. with dialogue and, all, you know, everything. And I think... That it, quippy humor. Right, is, exactly. Um, the second episode, just like you, I was not a fan of. Mm. I cut, It was the one where they traveled to Brazil. Was mm. it Brazil? Uh, somewhere in South America. Right, like South Peru America. or something. Right. And to me, that whole... It just felt like a set. You know, yeah. it did, like I just felt so cheap to me, and it kind of they kind of lost me with that. But I think it re- rebounded nicely in the next couple of episodes. I like three, four. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like those episodes, and and yet it actually has lost a little bit of of kind of like that that Whedon feel that you kind of got in that pilot episode. Like mm-hmm. it lost a little bit of momentum. I don't know. It's like they're not as like fast pace as they were you know the first couple were mm-hmm. they, I don't know I, it, it seems like they kind of I guess meandered a little bit mm-hmm. with some of the characters well it's interesting I feel like they need to find that balance because yeah. a lot of people find that whole Whedon aesthetic to be a little cloying like overly cute yeah uh, th- those little quips and those little lines like everything's got a little like play on words and a little a little cutesy right and uh, a lot of people don't like that and, and they have to kind of find a balance for yeah. that to to kind of make a, a mainstream show because this has to be a mainstream yeah. show. Uh, <clears throat> at the same time, like, I just... I don't know. I feel like some points it does get overly cutesy. Yeah. Uh, with the, with their dialogue. And, uh, like, the Fitz and Simmons thing I thought was adorable from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, where their whole, like, it's... They essentially have the, the buddy cop nicknames. Yeah. Uh, Fitzsimmons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I, I do... I like the characters. But, like, it's... I don't think they're that interesting, any of them. I mean, hmm. they start off with the main girl, the hacker girl yeah. you, you mentioned. Uh, Sky. Yeah, Sky. And like I, at first I was like, oh, she's going to be super annoying. Yeah. But then it's like she overcame that, but I don't know if she overcame it because I'm just now more attracted to her. <laughs> <or not>. Right. <laughs> Where like, no, yeah, I, as the show goes on, I'm like, wow, she's a lot I like funnier her. than I thought the, she was. It's, it's funny because they make her funny, too. Yeah. You know, like, like, I mean... A lot of the characters, they're just, yeah, they're just quick-witted, you know? And, like, they say things, and it's like the way they handle certain situations is a way that you would kind of react to something. Yeah. Like, you know, there's little comments, like, it's kind of hard to explain without, you yeah, actually, you know, saying the dialogue that, uh-huh. you know, like, and knowing what's happening in the episode. But, but like, yeah, like, there are just little moments that kind of, like, help humanize the characters. Yeah. Well, there's a like lot that. of, there's a lot of this thing that Joss Whedon leans on that I've always liked. Uh, and he, he he's mentioned it before in the past. That it's like, if you look at like Indiana Jones, yeah. uh, Indiana Jones, you like Indiana Jones because he has a lot of bravado, mm-hmm. but he's never the most capable person in the room. There's always like the guy across from him smarter than him. He'll just get out by the skin of his teeth. Yeah, and you see that with like uh, apparently it was the same case on Buffy, but it was it's also you saw that in Firefly where you had your Captain Mel yeah. was like the most you know confident guy in the world or the galaxy I guess in that case mm-hmm. and he would always there would be a moment where he would overstep his, his confidence would overstep his ability and then yeah. he would knowingly reel it in and there's that, li- that little laugh when you're like oh this guy's not as good as he thinks he is right. and he's brought that over to the show as well you've seen that many times through other characters where someone will act like they have a situation under control and then you'll realize quickly it's like nope they were just bluffing and yeah. th- that like I like that Mm-hmm. But it's like it's always a trope unless you really kind of really grow to like the characters. Yeah. Now, 
The thing, another thing with Whedon shows is that they usually, I would say with the exception of Firefly, though maybe I'm just remembering that more fondly than I, than I experienced it when I saw it originally, most of his shows get off to a slow start. Yeah. Uh, you know, famously Buffy, people say, oh, you got to get through the first season. The first season and a half is not good. Mm-hmm. And then from season two on, it's fantastic. Yeah. Like, I, well, yeah, I've watched like one episode and I've never committed to getting through it. The same thing with uh, Dollhouse he worked on. People mm-hmm. said that like that show wasn't very good. And then when it became clear that the show was going to go off the air, he kind of abandoned the monster of the week thing or, or uh, you know, uh, criminal of the week type, type yeah. storyline basis <clears throat> and went deeper and, and it... Apparently it got really good in like the last four episodes before they canceled it. Mm. So all of his shows seem like they take a little while to get off the ground. And so there's part of me that thinks, well, that's we're just going through the growing pains, establishing everything in this so that he can finally get to the show that he actually wants to do. Yeah. And I'm glad you you brought that up to me because that's exactly what I was going to say, too. mm -hmm. And it's not just necessarily Whedon. It's a lot of shows, really. It's like it takes them a handful of episodes to really find their voice to to figure out what they want to do. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, you know, like I I said, like each episode is a little bit different. Um, They seem they lose momentum, but then they kind of pick it back up in, in, you know, episode three. And then, yes, episode four is not as great. But then it's like, you know, they're they're trying to find a balance, like you said, Mm -hmm. too. And... And uh, I think you should watch episode six. I think uh, that that's a really important episode. It was great. I like. I really like episode. I will. Six. It's just. It feels like homework. Yeah. It's like you get these things on your DVR. Yeah. Like uh, like Eastbound and Down, which we're not going to talk about in the show. Mm-hmm. It's on, and the second it's on my DVR, I'm hitting play. Yeah. Because like this season has been just incredible. <clears throat> But, like, there are those shows that kind of find themselves at the bottom of your DVR queue every week. And for me, this has become that show. Right. I mean, I'm not, it's not, it's definitely not a great show. Mm -hmm. I I think it's a fun show. It's really fun. And you have to take into consideration the fact that they they have to, this, they they have to find a way to connect it to the actual Marvel Universe as well. Yeah. So it's like. It seems like it would be a huge plus for them. Right. I mean, we haven't mentioned it, but I think next week. Yeah. Or maybe within the next two weeks, they're going to do an actual crossover thing where it ties directly into Thor, the oh, Thor movie okay. that was just Yeah, released. I did hear about that. And there's actually already been something that ties into um, Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. So so there are connections there. So it's like you have to, you know, like they have a lot to try to do here. You yeah, know, which in the is first handful we, of episodes. I'm glad you mentioned that because that actually sparked something in my mind that worried me when I was watching it. What's that? It's well, we saw like that the, the whole plot. I think of the first episode or maybe the first couple episodes were directly tied into Iron Man three mm-hmm. and the extremis storyline from that movie. Yeah, but it's now it's starting to worry me. Like as I go through these episodes, they need more stuff to do, so they start introducing new elements. And it actually makes me worry about, like, the Marvel Universe in the films. Really? Because they're really careful about what they introduce, not to get too crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's, back in the comic books, like, involve all kinds of just crazy stuff that would never fly with a general audience mm-hmm. that you can't introduce. And so they've been very judicious about what elements of the, 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 the fantasy sci-fi stuff they actually bring into the movies. Yeah. With the show, since they have, to, they have to make something new every single week, they start grabbing from more and more... Of, of the, uh, the the canon of the comic books. Like, oh, this is like interdimensional stuff. And like, yeah. they're, they have to like <clears throat> grab more stuff. And it makes me worried that like the stuff they're getting into, it's, it already seems to me like they're starting to get into that like crazy Marvel stuff. Yeah. And I don't even want any of that stuff getting near the film Marvel Universe. Right. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, I, I don't want to like go see, see a movie and then like they're, they're talking about like, uh, you know, alternate timelines and right. crap. Like that would be awful. Yeah, yeah. 
But I, yeah, and I, I mean, fear they're going to get into that. I mean, it already seems like they're laying Easter eggs for not multiple timelines. I mean, I got to admit, I'm not a huge, huge like Marvel guy or anything, so I don't know all of the crazy stuff. But I know enough to know that I don't want to know anymore. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, well, I'll, I, I think I really like the show. Uh-huh. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. I, I, I do think, like, like I said, there is that part of me that thinks they're going to get they're going to get better. They're going to find their voice. And, mm-hmm. and especially if you, I mean, if you have seen like all the Marvel movies, I think it's a show you got to watch it. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think it's, I think it's a really fun show. Mm-hmm. And also, like I said, with Joss Whedon about him, taking him a long time to kind of find his legs, his shows Yeah. with him, the thing is usually his shows get canceled before that happens. Right. <laughs> so I, I, don't think, I really don't. Do you know what the ratings are for this show? I don't know, but I really think they have a lot invested in this mm-hmm. show. And so I think it's going to get a very long runway Mm -hmm. to kind of take off. Yeah, so uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like we mentioned, is on ABC on Tuesdays. And most of the episodes should be on demand if you you, uh, have not watched them. Does ABC have episodes on their website? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you should be able to watch them. On demand, they definitely do. And and it hasn't, but like you said, we're only six or seven episodes in. So there's probably... Yeah, so, so, you know, catch up. Catch up. All right, the uh, next thing we want to talk about is the movie VHS. So Halloween season is over, uh, <laughs> but it's still always fun to to just talk about scary movies. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know why not? I watched like twenty five scary movies over the Halloween season. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I watched be nice quite a to few talk too. About one. Yeah, for, this is like the second year in a row. I mean, we've only been doing this for two years, uh-huh. but both times we've missed the opportunity to do a Halloween episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, we figured we'd talk about VHS because we both actually recently watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, VHS is a movie from 2012, and it's about a group of idiots, I guess, that break into an old man's house to try to steal a VHS tape. Yeah. Right? They, they're trying to find the right VHS tape, so they're, they're watching these, these videos. Mm-hmm. So how do you... How, I, I would describe it as a horror anthology. Okay. Similar in, like, the way... They used to see like they used to see like Tales of the Crypt, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. they would be like different short stories, short yeah. horror films. Yeah, and that's essentially what this movie is. It's made up of six uh, short horror films uh, with uh, five self, like individual self-contained ones. Was it six? Yeah, oh. and one of them, that one you described, the guy is going in to find this uh, tape, is kind of the overarching bookending yeah. story. Right. So uh, like these guys are watching his VHS tapes and it kind of presented as short films. Yes. You know. Right. Yeah, um, there's this that one I guess is called uh Tape 56. That's what they they call the overarching one and then there's okay. one called Amateur Night, one called uh by David Bruckner, Second Honeymoon directed by Ty West, mm-hmm. uh Tuesday the 17th by Glenn McQuaid, uh The Sick Thing That Happened to Emily When She Was Younger by Joe Swanberg and Radio Silence. Uh Radio Silence, I guess, is like a group of directors, like a, the team mm-hmm. that they refer to themselves as that. And they directed a, the one called October 31st, 1998. That's okay. the final short film. Oh, okay. The, the last one, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That like So, that. yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it, it's I'm a huge, huge <clears throat> fan of the horror anthology. Mm-hmm. I was a huge Tales from the Crypt fan growing up. I, if you remember the movie Tales from the Hood. Like, oh, even dude, that Tales movie, from the Hood I was that awesome. Movie. I yeah. love that movie. So, I, I love the idea, especially in the genre of horror to have, like, a bunch of short films, like, quick shots. And, it, it, like, as a huge, like, Twilight Zone fan, I love the idea of short, self-contained stories. I wish they would reboot something like that. Yeah, yeah. Tales yep. from the Crypt as well would be awesome. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, so I'm I'm just, like, you know, predisposed to liking 
uh, these horror anthologies. Yeah. And I was kind of, I was like really surprised at how much I liked this one. I saw it just came on, uh, I think like HBO or Showtime or something in the middle of the night, like 1 a.m. during holiday season, during the Halloween season. And I was just like up late. So I, I, I put it on when I changed it there when it was on. I had never seen it. I had heard good things about it, but I had never investigated because uh, I'm just like generally outside of the Halloween season, not a huge horror guy. Mm-hmm. I just love to like kind of immerse myself in it during that season. And I was blown away by how awesome it yeah, was. Yeah, it was really good. I, was I, really I good. found I myself watching it, like, that night, watching it, with just, like, a huge smile on my face yeah. the entire time. Because I kept being surprised by what they were doing with each individual movie. Yeah. Uh, the first one is uh, Amateur Night. It was about three guys who uh, oh. get a motel room with the hopes of taking a girl back there and, I guess, right. videotaping themselves, having sex with her. Yeah. They, and, give, they put a camera on the guy's glasses? Yeah. Yeah. And so they go to a party, they pick up a girl, and then there's kind of a twist of what happens there. Right, yeah. Uh, which, as I was watching it, it was like, I, I was just like so like pleasantly surprised at every little turn they made. Uh-huh. It was great. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. I liked the first one. That was, a, yeah, a good little intro to, to the rest of the, uh, of kind of like, kind of obviously off the wall kind of shit happening. It's like kind of gets you ready for what's to come. You know? Yeah, and given the nature of the film... The way they're watching it on this VHS tape, yeah. Uh, all of the short films are done in the found footage style, yeah. So you know whether you like that or not. I it, depending on the uh, the circumstance, I can I, I like I like it. Yeah. Uh, I, I was I love the way they did it in this film. Like sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes it can be like it can feel extraneous and not it, it feel contrived. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. So sure. you have to figure out a way to make it feel natural, and in this case, they were able to do that. In all of them, really. For, for, for pretty much all of them. Uh-huh. Um, I, I like pretty much all of them, but there was one that I just, I was, was I thought was pretty terrible. Which one was um, that? The one when they're in the woods. Oh, okay, yeah, that one was uh, Tuesday the 17th. Yeah, that was Directed horrible. by Glenn McQuaid. Really? It was really bad. See, the acting was so bad, I, too. Okay, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll agree with it that It was one. like, oh, man. It but was, see, it was that was comical. One, I, I, there's like a twist. I mean, I don't know. There's, there's kind of a st- statue of limitations on spoilers and whatnot. I don't know. Uh-huh. This movie's been out. It came out in 2012. For me, I told you before the show, it felt like it came out a lot longer because <laughs> I feel like I've been hearing about it. Yeah. But I guess I, I've been the first time I heard about it was when it, it was at the festival circuit. Okay. And it got like a lot of buzz from right, the festival yeah. circuit. Yeah. So I guess that's why it feels like it's been out for a really long yeah, time. Because it was a pretty small film. You yeah. Know? And uh, just got blown up over the internet. People were just talking so much about it. And, yeah. Yeah. That one, I like. I'll agree with you. Like the acting wasn't the best, yeah. but and and actually that one kind of went nowhere. Yeah. But it was such a interesting idea. Really? I love okay, the, the way, idea the way, behind yes. it. Yes. Okay. I I I get that part. Like the way the uh, I guess there's a killer. The way the killer is introduced. Yeah. Like I've never seen that done before. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Which is we should say uh, it's called Tuesday the Seventeenth, directed by Glenn McQuaid, and it's about. Uh, a girl and her three friends, yeah, three two friends. guys and another girl, go out into the woods yep. for a camping trip. Mm-hmm. And they're telling stories about, like, this, this uh, oh, there's a horrible tragedy that happened, happened there as they're walking yeah. through. Which is, like, a trope that we've seen, you know, a million times in horror films. Mm-hmm. And they go through there, and then all of a sudden this creature, uh, you know, some kind of some kind of bad monster or whatever <laughs> it is, you know, right. the, the, the horror film enemy uh, shows up. 
and starts, you know, attacking. Yeah. And I, I it's there's like a, it's a, it's totally twisted on its head. Yeah. Now you could you could we could go back and forth about the execution. I, I'll agree with you. It's like I don't think it was the best executed or written or performed. Right. Anything. Yeah. Exactly. But, <laughs> all that. But like <laughs> like all of the short films in this in this anthology, uh-huh. I thought it was ingenious. The the, the kind of oh. twist there. Can can we say it? I mean. I guess. I, I just the idea that it's like the girl, uh, the victim, is yeah. not necessarily a victim. She planned the entire thing, and she's trying to kill the ghost. Yeah, which is incredible. Yeah, I mean, what a like a brilliant twist on this cliche. Right. I guess. It's. I don't awesome. know. I just. I, yeah. I. Yeah. The, the the horrible acting just took me out of it, uh-huh. and then yeah, just like oh yeah. Just I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, no, listen. I, I agree. I mean, if that if that ruined it for you, it ruined it for you. And for yeah. me, I feel like you know, it's an independent film. And right. this, so when you're an independent film with a, a large cast, I mean, considering how many short films there were, there yeah. was they had a pretty large cast. Right. Uh, it, overall, you're gonna there's gonna be hit and miss with the talent. Right. Yeah. And they were all directed by different people. Each yes. individual uh, video was directed by somebody uh, different. Um. But like there were some really good ones though. I like the the last one, the very last one. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, ten thirty one ninety eight yeah, about yeah. Uh, like these three guys, guys going to a to a Halloween party. They're yes. all dressed in costumes. All, and, and another great way of justifying the camera is right. by having the camera integrated into his yeah. The guy was a nanny cam. Yes. So he was like a bear dressed as a bear with a camera, which is a brilliant, oh, so cool. that was, brilliant that was way to, to work Love the camera it. in. But all the all the the scares and everything, like visually, that one was just fucking amazing, man. Yeah. Like just the way they, you know, they they did all this stuff. Like I can't. You know, name specifics, but yeah. like they go to a Halloween party yeah. or what they think is a Halloween party, and then it's a little. Right. It's, it's the house has becomes there's something going on, right? There. Yeah, like all that stuff. They've walked really into something. Cool. Really it was really up. cool. Yeah, I thought that that was really well done. Um, there's another one though that was actually which kind of makes no sense if you think about it. Um, it was uh, online one, right? Like the video chat. The sick thing that happened to Emily when she was younger. Yeah, yes. like that one was like that made no sense that there's a VHS tape for it, um, but it was really cool. Like that was super true. fucking scary though. Yeah, that one yeah. about a guy. Uh, he's he's talking to his girlfriend. He's out of town and they're web chatting. They're yeah. video chatting, skyping, mm-hmm. right. and she like she keeps talking about all these weird things that are happening to her, and she's mm-hmm. waking up with wounds and bruises, and she feels like her house is haunted, and she thought she saw something. And, yeah. And so it's really spooky as she's like, I'm going to close my eyes and walk through this room and tell you what you see. Right, like, yeah. yeah, it's, it's oh, really that spooky. Was so, that was so well executed. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, that was great. And, like, for me, I think those kinds of supernatural stuff mm-hmm. is more, you know, effective rather than the whole serial killer thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I love that one, too. And, and the last one. So those are more, like, supernatural kind of things going on. Yeah. While the other ones are more, like, serial killer, I guess? Kind of. I don't well, know. No, I guess not. I guess not. They're all kind of, like, supernatural. Like, that one in the woods yeah. was definitely supernatural. Yeah, and, and the first one. So, like, I take that back. <laughs> but, yeah. but Yeah, the, I think only one of them really was about, like, just oh, yeah. murdery. And that yeah. was uh, Second Honeymoon. Yeah, that one. Yeah, about a couple who are, they go to, they're staying in a motel, they're on a road trip or something, and then someone uh-huh. comes up to their door Asking for a ride, yeah. and then it just gets spooky. Weird right, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that one actually—that was a really cool moment in that one uh-huh. because you're seeing every, like, in every of all of them, you're seeing it from the camera perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that case, it was the camera was justified by that being them recording their road trip. Right. And then suddenly you see the camera come on, and you're watching them. Right. They're not in control. And of you're it. like, oh shit. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, so shit. It's like super <laughs> creepy. It's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that was really good. That was pretty good. And then that big shock, the big shock. You yeah, know, like, which, like, oh my like, god, what, what's happening? There's like, yeah, yeah, there's some kind of twist or something yeah. in every one of them that I think is really. I was not really expecting great. that when. Yeah, you know, yeah. When but, it happened, <laughs> yeah. But that that was that was good. So so I was yeah. I was just I I we I told you I saw this when uh, when I saw this I told you like we got to talk about it just because I I was really excited about right. it. And I'm a like I said I'm a huge horror anthology fan, and so this kind of like reignited. This movie, I guess, was responsible for kind of reigniting that desire for me to just watch a bunch of horror movies. Right. And then I went in that string, just like watching every <laughs> night, watching like one or two movies yeah. during Halloween or during like the Halloween week. Yeah. So yeah, this was like this was I was really excited about. It. Like I said, I was sitting there watching it in the middle of the night, just with like a huge smile on my face. Some of the things like it weren't, smile on your face. weren't particularly oh like scary. Yeah. There were a lot yeah. of like jump scares and whatnot, and a lot of stuff I wasn't. It wasn't like. I was blown away by how scary it was, but I was just—I was blown away by the inventiveness. Right, and that, that's really what people look for now. I think, uh-huh. well, like me in particular, I guess, like uh, when they watch scary movies, you know, like I want to see something new, you know. Um, and yeah, they—I think they nailed it. They—they they showed, you know, did a lot of interesting things, and yeah. it was pretty cool. Um, and VHS two is actually out now too. Um, yeah, I was really excited because I recommended VHS to someone, and I could mm-hmm. swear it was on Netflix before. Mm-hmm. And I checked it, and it, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. Oh, really? I'm not sure, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, because I, I think I mentioned to someone and they're like, "Is it on Netflix?" And I check, and I'm like, "Oh, I don't think it is." But then in doing so, I noticed that VHS two is on Netflix, so yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I want to get around to watching that. Yeah. So VHS highly recommended. Um, changing gears here. Mm-hmm. Talk, touch up. A little bit on some comedy. Um, so Aziz Ansari has released a new stand-up special. Not changing gears that much because it's exclusive to Netflix. It is. You're right. Yeah. So <laughs> it kind of ties in. Um, so yeah, it's only on Netflix and it's called Buried Live. Uh, How many specials does he have? He's probably got like three or four. Ooh, yeah. There's uh, Dangerously Delicious. There's uh, Intimate Moments for a uh, Sensual Evening. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any more. I'm not sure. Yeah. There might be. I'm not. Yeah. I, I've probably seen two of them mm-hmm. before Barry Alive I had right. seen two of them yeah so I mean obviously Aziz Ansari is a fucking hilarious guy mm-hmm. yeah uh, people know him from Parks and Rec and that movie with uh, Eisen- Jesse Eisenberg 30 Minutes or Less oh right there you yeah, go. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that movie I thought it was I thought it was decent <laughs> For, it's so weird you said Jesse and Eisenberg and uh, all I could think was Breaking Bad oh yeah okay <laughs> yeah oh wow that's so yeah, close. Huh? <laughs> but but yeah, so Aziz Ansari is, is a stand-up comedian that started acting and everything. So that he's mostly known now, I think, um, by the general public for his acting, especially because of Parks and Rec. Yeah, it's Tom Haverford on uh, on Parks and Rec. Yeah, but he's actually a fucking hilarious guy. He is and, a really really great stand-up. Yeah, so just wanted to mention it because it's only on Netflix. It just came out uh, November first, I think it was. Mm-hmm. It became available. Yeah. So. What would you fun. say is like the thrust of the show? What is the topic you focus on? Who like relationships or relationships? Yeah, because I know kids. he's like he's gonna focus. Yeah, like kids. Yeah, yeah. kids. I guess uh, he had just turned thirty, or he's just turning thirty, and right. so it was all about that kind of transition from yeah being the, being the thirty pressures. and watching everyone around you have kids and yeah. get married and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. we can kind of relate to. Yeah, so it like kind of <laughs> it lined up. Right. Yeah. It was I really actually, funny. But yeah. I will say, I think like the funniest bit for me was something that was not pre-written. It was like extemporaneous audience interaction. Yeah. I was in tears yeah. as he was talking about the proposal with that guy. Yeah. That was oh that was really funny. Gosh. And usually when when stuff like that happens, I'm kind of like like dreading what's gonna happen. Like, uh-huh. oh, this come on, like 
this whole talking to the audience thing is so old, you know? Yeah. But, like, it was really funny. Yeah, it and ended just up kept being getting like, better wow. every line. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. It was pretty funny. So, uh, <laughs> if you enjoy to laugh, uh, check it out. It's on uh, Netflix. Aziz and Sorry Buried Alive. So, check that out. So, uh, Mike, what was the other thing you wanted to talk about? Gravity you wanted to talk about? or uh, uh, there Cloud was Atlas. Cloud Atlas, yeah. Cloud Atlas. Well, actually, oh, so we talked about Cloud Atlas before. I think I, I briefly mentioned it when we did our top five movies of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an honorable mention, and ah, yeah, yeah I, I mentioned it as an honorable mention. And Cloud Atlas is a movie that was directed by the Wachowskis, mm-hmm. and the guy based on that, the uh, prior to that movie thought to be unfilmable book by the same name. Um, it was also directed by Tom Tyker. I don't know. Oh, the guy I'm that saying. directed Run Little Run. Yes. Yeah, but it was a pretty interesting movie. Um, last year. I, or earlier this year, I guess, uh, I mentioned it because um, I really I liked it. And I liked it especially because it was a really ambitious movie. Yeah, it was kind of out there, but I, I, I really liked it. I don't know what you thought about it. Yeah, uh, I, I also really, really liked it. There was a lot of kind of controversy or who making fun of it when it came out because it's, it's essentially several intertwining stories. Uh, that take place in different time periods. One, like, in the 1800s. Uh, others, you know, in the far, far future, in the super, like, sci-fi future, and the one even beyond that. Mm-hmm. So, it, and they, all of the stories kind of tie in together in some way, if, if not directly, mm-hmm. in some cases directly, but uh, typically thematically. Yeah. And the way they made that connection a lot of times was by casting the same actors to play different roles in every story in every, in every different timeline. time period yeah. and in some of those cases uh it was you know a little <clears throat> distracting yeah you had there was a time period that there's one that took place in the future in china and you have an almost all white cast except for one character essentially is is asian, asian. and so in that period like, everyone's wearing makeup to look asian right and you know there are, there are occasions you know where you'll have uh who's her name uh holly berry holly berry yeah holly berry well, who would in some cases be playing a white person mm-hmm. and you have like weird haircuts and right. was, I could see how it could be distracting for people mm-hmm. which it seemed to be that was like the, the talk around the time it came out yeah. uh, but now having seen it and having it watched the entire movie it, you could see the point of that mm-hmm. they were trying to directly tie if you see Tom Hanks in one character and then you see him in another in another time period those characters are supposed to tie together yeah. in some <clears> way they're, they're whether you know they're experiencing something similar on that time and they want you to make that direct connection exactly. between those two characters. Yeah. And in that case, it worked really well. Right. And this is a movie that, like, they don't kind of walk you into what's happening. Mm-hmm. You, it starts with this story that seems, like, you know, unattached to anything, just random, self-contained. And then they jump to the next one and you don't see the connection. I feel like that happened for, like, the first third of the movie it's just jumping from story to story and time period to time period. Yeah. And you don't see any connection. Right. You feel, you feel completely lost. Like, what is this movie doing? It's scattershot. It doesn't know mm-hmm. what it wants to be. And and it's not until you get into, like, the second half and towards the end of the movie that everything kind of comes together. Yep. And that's why I feel like it's a, it's a movie that, unless you if you've only seen half of it, you might think it's an awful movie. Right. But exactly. the way everything came together <laughs> in the end, and it was it felt, you know, very moving. It had, you know, really, you know... 
a beautiful message and the, 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 right. what it said I thought it was really wonderful right yeah I, I got the exact same reaction yeah like I when I first started watching the movie, I'm like, "What exactly is happening? What's the point?" But the way, yeah, the way the way they were able to continue the story for every single character and every single timeline mm-hmm. was really good. Like you said about how they all look kind of weird because they're supposed to be di- playing different races and yeah, and that was race a little bending. Bit, I think right that, that that was a little strange. But at the same time, it's like, well, of course they want it's going to look a little strange because they want to let you know that this is that same guy. Yeah. That this is that character playing another... They're this, not They're not person. trying to hide that right. it's and then Tom because, Hanks playing uh, or, or like an Indian guy or something. Right. Or that it's... <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's <laughs> that's Halle Berry playing an old white woman. Right. And that's kind of the point because like if you... If they want to make them so unrecognizable, then what's the point of having them play those characters in the first place? Right, which is a question you have to ask because yeah. people were asking that. Why would you have them? Right. And clearly that was a choice they made for a specific reason. Yeah, so it's like you have to have a hint of who they are. Yeah, it might look a little bit weird, but it's like you have to make that connection Yeah. You know, to to the other characters that they're playing. And I, I love the movie, man. Like I thought it was, like I said, I thought it was really ambitious. It's, not, it's nothing I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. And... You know, people complain that they they've seen the same shit all the time. It's like, oh, I've seen this before. It's it's been done a million times. And then when they see something different, some you know, then they don't like that either. So it's like, what you know, make make up your mind. What do you want? You know, like, mm-hmm. do you want to see something different, or do you want to see the same shit over and over again? And that's why I really appreciate this movie because yeah, they were they they fucking went for it. You know, mm-hmm. like. It was just really out there, but at the same time, it told really interesting stories. You know, I, I liked all the characters, and and these and stories are all very different. They're they're very different, yeah. So, like, there's you know, some one storyline that is while very I, I thought emotionally resonant, mm-hmm. uh, but it was also like this crazy sci-fi awesome action movie. Yeah, and then there are other <laughs> stories like the one with the composer, which is very low key, very personal. Uh, there's you know no action or anything except mm-hmm. it, it's what's happening in this guy's life as a uh, I, I would you know gay composer at that at that time yeah and it's it's really interesting to see how they all it was so uh, what I what left me I was so excited at the end of the movie I was like this is awesome how they were able to pull all of these you know this disparate yeah. styles together but the, also the kind of you get the sense of how everything is thematically tied together as the movie goes along. And then it, towards the end, you start to realize that it's even more than thematically that there are kind of direct connections that yeah. characters in one that you know, like a, a character that doesn't seem that grand in one story, is now through the lens of history far more grand in another story. Oh, yeah. oh. And the way it ties in, like that's incredible. Yeah. And all of these, like you know, the, the, there's a composer who's like in the 1800s who writes letters and keeps diaries, and those letters are read by someone else in another story in another mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and yeah it's like i love the way they were able to kind of like weave everything back in right. and in my opinion they did it really successfully everything tied back in together yeah. beautifully yeah it was a pretty good movie you know it stars uh tom hanks it has a great cast tom it's hanks. incredible and that was like a like a hundred million dollar independently financed film oh yeah like and I, you could see i guess how they did it is you can go in and say we're the Wachowskis. We directed the Matrix. Yeah. Uh, we also have Tom Hanks and Halle Berry, and <laughs> so you could do all your foreign free sales. Yeah. Just on their names, even though you're going to deliver something, you know, completely foreign to the audience that's going to go to see a movie for Tom Hanks. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's great cast, man. Jim Broadbent is also Hugo Weaving, Jim Sturgis, uh, uh, James Darcy, Hugh Grant, just a whole bunch. Susan Sarandon, Hugh Grant, yeah, man. Think of Hugh Grant and, in all the different roles he right. plays, right? And that's great. And you know what? Uh, one thing too, I wanted to mention at the end of the movie. It's not a spoiler, but and the ending credits they show every actor and all the characters they play right mm-hmm. and I think that was really cool because there was a few that I didn't notice yeah that well the like, oh, Hugh Grant one probably like Hugh oh Hugh Grant right yeah the one in the, the future that was like I did not know that was Hugh Grant Hugh Grant's one in kind of the uh, like jungle storyline mm-hmm. or not Hugh Grant that I'm was, sorry uh, oh. uh Hugh Grant played like a crazy right. yeah, which was yeah. like that I, was one when I saw that character. The second time I saw that character is when I realized it was Hugh Grant, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, talk about a transformation!" Yep. But uh, uh, Hugo Weaving's character in that one, mm-hmm. which was like kind of weird, and I, it was really awesome. Like yeah. it's kind of grown on me. Like that would be that's a cool Halloween costume. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> That was kind of like, what the Like, what was he doing, like, the Cajun accent? Yeah. And, like, where did this come from? Yeah. And, like, as he kept that coming was so on. creepy. Yeah, as he kept coming into the movie, I was like, yeah, yeah I'm digging this. <laughs> yeah, so if you um, have not seen the movie, I you know what? I highly recommend that you watch the trailer. There's a, a four-and-a-half-minute trailer. We talked about the trailer when it came out. And it's, like, it was one of the <sighs> – if you're someone who appreciates incredible. kind of the art form of trailer editing, yeah. that was one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Yes, it was – Beautiful, 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 just beautiful, and it's like four and a half minutes long, and it's a really, it's like just a brilliant short film in itself. If yeah. you want to look at it that way, and obviously when you watch the trailer, you'll know what you kind of know what to expect when you watch this movie, anyways, because it's like wow, it's like kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. It touches on so many different genres. Yeah, you think like how could this all be in one movie? Right. But yeah, the movie is three hours long. Yeah. But it's totally worth it. I can see it. if it's a little intimidating to people. Right. It's totally worth it. I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, uh, Mike really recommends it too, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. So moving on. Uh, the very last thing we want to talk about today is a movie that has just been all over the place on the internet. People have just been talking about this movie nonstop. Well, especially when it first came out, I, I should say, in, in the first couple of weeks. And that's Gravity. So, Gravity is a movie that came out a few months ago, and it should be still be in theaters, Yeah, I believe. 
uh, probably not on as many screens as before, but it's a movie about these three people that are in space, and they get uh, stuck in space. <laughs> uh, the S hits the F. Yeah, the, the shit hits the fan, and they're. It I, is. I, I can't, I can't it is an too much extremely simple plot. It's a stupid, which is why there, it's a it's a risky talking about it from a plot perspective because right, yeah. you're afraid to give so, away spoilers because. Yep. Not a lot happens in this movie. It's <laughs> it's about how it's happening and how you feel while it's happening. Right. And it's more than just like a space movie. It is the first Alfonso Cuaron film in over five years. Yep. Uh, the last film he, he directed is Children of Men, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a great movie. Incredible. Great movie. Uh, and this is, I, I would say, an, a, a worthy follow-up to that. Yep. Uh, it took him a long time. If, if anybody's familiar with the process behind this film, uh, if you read like film blogs and whatnot, this has been a really dr- like long, arduous process to get this film made. He was initially intent on getting Angelina oh, yeah. Jolie right. to star in it, yeah, and he would send her a script, and she would reject it, and he would rewrite it and send it back to her. And this went on for years before finally he moved on. I guess. You know, after maybe after The Blind Side, maybe after Sandra Bullock right. won her Academy Award. Yeah. Which, uh, interesting, I don't think she deserved an Academy Award for that movie. Yeah. I can, uh, I can, yeah. But it may have been like a makeup call for a movie she hadn't yet done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Consider, <laughs> considering that she is incredible in this movie. She's amazing. Yeah. And this is a movie, like you said, it's only, like, only a couple characters and we're in space and you are just spending all of your time. Sandra this is Bullock like a one, it's like a, it's an acting tour de force. It's incredible. Yeah, it's the really way good. this make is both from the directing standpoint of the way that he's able to play with tension to the way she <clears throat> is playing this character, how intensely right. it, it is an intense movie. We spoke about it when it came out, uh, when we were going to see it, how surprised I was at how short it was. Right. Uh, because it's every, only 90, 91 minutes long. It's only 91 minutes long, but it's like 91 of the most tense minutes you'll ever exactly. see in a movie theater. Yeah. It's extremely in, uh, intense. Yeah. I, I'm glad they got Sandra Bullock. I think she was perfect for the role. I think mm. Angelina Jolie would have been a little bit too distracting. You know? I don't know. Her beauty would have been too <laughs> distracting? Well, I mean, she's, she, she's a phenomenal actress, uh. I think. But... But there's just certain... It's, well, that's how you know Sandra Bullock did a, a great job because it's after seeing this movie, it's hard to imagine anyone else. Right, playing. exactly. So, so yeah, it, she totally fucking owned this role. Yeah. And if anything, she, I, I think she, she she's definitely in consideration for an Academy Award. Yeah. Because she's really, like I said, her and, and George Clooney are, are, are the only two people, really, that you see on screen the entire time. Yeah. And... And that's that's a lot to have on your shoulders as an actor, mm-hmm. and and they pulled it off, man. Like they totally pulled it off. The, the movie was just so intense by itself, and especially because yeah, the, it's not entirely sound in the whole story and everything. But I think that some of the flaws that you see in in the story and 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 also in some of the the science, I guess. Oh, you want to touch on that? We, well, we should. I mean, I, I mean, that was a controversy around the movie when it came out. Right. That uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the kind of, you know, science <laughs> yeah, yeah, evangelist <laughs> right. Uh, right now, posted some pretty critical things of it, about the science and, and the geography, I guess. Yeah. I uh, mean... Although even he said he thought it was amazing. Like, right, great, exactly. Great. So it's like, it's a science fiction movie. So mm-hmm. I think people have to give it a bit of a pass yeah. on that anyways. Obviously, there's NASA is not even in space anymore, so <laughs> it's science fiction, guys. Um but it was a, just a really effective, dramatic movie too, you know. Mm-hmm. And and 
I think you can overlook some of the science in it and and some of the story, I guess. Well, I think unless you're super knowledgeable, you most of the stuff that he mentioned you wouldn't right. even yeah. you wouldn't register with you. Right. There was like one thing that he mentioned and I think him mentioning it just put it in my mind that when I saw it during the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I think I know what you're talking uh, about. Well, yeah, there's a scene where someone could have, like, you know, they're kind of, like, floating away from each other mm-hmm. and there's, like, a little tug. Yep. And he's like, yeah, I mean, in space, right. you could just tug someone and they'll come floating to you from, right. you know, no matter how far away they are, well, like, a little tug will bring yeah. them to you. But, you know, there's, there's things that they did for, you know, just drama, to add drama to the situation. Right, yeah. Uh, I thought it was, yeah, it was, in, it was incredible. I loved every part of this movie. It was great. It was so intense. And, uh, yeah, it's funny. Like, there's it's very few characters. George Clooney, there's Sandra Bullock. There's the voiceover you hear mm. a lot of, of Ed Harris. Which oh, I thought, yeah. I thought it was really, like, I right. instantly recognized it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was funny because he's essentially then playing the same character he did in Apollo 8, Apollo 13. Right. As the, you know, the guy on the ground in Houston <laughs> in talking Houston, to the yeah. astronauts. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny that he would use the same actor for that. Right. It was, it's weird. You know, I didn't so even notice. I did not even notice until after. You didn't? No. I hey, the didn't second I heard his voice, I'm like, is that Ed Harris? Like, really? Well, yeah, I've, I've seen Apollo 13 a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. Great movie. But, yeah, yeah it was it was a fantastic movie. Huh? Yeah, and kind of amazingly, because Children of Men, I think, you know, in the film community and then, you know, people who write and read about films mm-hmm. uh, is universally acknowledged as a great film. Uh, it was not particularly financially successful. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was, it did okay, but not particularly well. Yeah. And this movie, on the other hand, has been kind of a surprise, massive hit. I mean, people are talking about it. it, it it's, it, we would think going to be nominated for Best Picture. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it people are talking about it already. Like, it might be the highest-grossing uh, Best Picture nominee ever. Really? The, it has done so insanely really well did. financially. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that it did so well. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. Even after watching it and seeing how fantastic it is, it's mm-hmm. surprising that it did that well. And I think part of that is just, you know, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. They're two big, big names. names. Yep. People are going to see uh, that movie. Like, I know my mom was even interested in seeing it because mm-hmm. everyone, you know, she's a Sandra Bullock fan. And, right. and all you heard on television surrounding the launch was just uh, just how incredible tense it is and how right. what a thrill ride it is. And, and I think that, like, yeah, I oh man, just how visually stunning it was, man. Like yeah. it was beautiful and and just yeah, even like those those moments like you said when where where it's really thrilling. Mm-hmm. Just the way they handled that, the way they presented that to you was incredible. Like just obviously there's no sound in space. So you're seeing you know, mass destruction with no no sound mm-hmm. and it's like even more terrifying i think and yeah and man it's just so effective the way they handled everything yeah i yeah it's just a fantastic movie we watched it in uh imax 3d yeah which and, i mean that's notable because it was it was shot in imax right yeah. uh it was i guess that that's the intended way for him for you to see that yeah. film uh, and it was really incredibly yeah. beautiful on that big screen, and mm-hmm. and I I heard mentioned before I saw it that you should see it in IMAX because this just being in space and seeing the Earth and whatnot in the uh, IMAX perspective mm-hmm. on that huge screen is a really unique experience as opposed to seeing it in a regular theater. Yeah, and it absolutely is. I mean, there's this uh, this philosophy i guess that they say permeates amongst uh astronauts mm-hmm. and it's the idea that when you're in space and you look down on the earth uh something changes inside of you you see 
how small it is. You see how everything is connected and there's no borders. And mm-hmm. and it, cha- it just completely in an instant changes your perspective on international relations and, yeah. and, and the environment and everything. Yeah. And there was a, there's, they said like you see it in IMAX because it, it's really incredible when you see the earth like that right. in that big screen with that kind of wide angle lens feel to it mm. that you, it does give you some, some, a taste of that. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. it's true. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. The very it. first shot of the movie is, is, you know, the, you know, earth and it mm-hmm. was just like, wow. Yeah, pretty pretty breathtaking. I think. Yeah. Um, a lot of moments like that throughout the movie were were pretty breathtaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a this is a really well shot movie. Just, I mean, obviously most of it is CGI, but it is, <laughs> and and the the process by which they got those shots mm-hmm. is really incredible. You could do some reading on the film, and they developed new technologies yeah. in order to do it, in order to Gosh. to get those incredible shots of like them. Floating yes. and them in anti gravity, or them in zero gravity situations, and it's it, yeah, it's really impressive. It's like something you can just totally overlook, but really, like my god, like all the effort that went into that, it's yeah, like pretty freaking amazing. And with his like signature, with Caron's signature style of long dramatic cuts yeah. or long dramatic shots with no cuts, yeah, and uh, you yeah, you're right, that, there that was fully really employed long, long in this movie. Shots. And it's incredible because you're just oh, so good. That adds to the the tension, the idea that there's since there's never a cut, you're never escaping from a situation. Right. You're there with them at all yeah. times. You feel very connected to the oh, characters, man. and that that adds to the sense that like you know you're on the edge of your seat from the time this the, the, this movie spends like five minutes of setup, and then it's immediately right. And that's incredibly uh, tense yeah. until like five seconds before the screen cuts to black. <laughs> right. And that's like, I, I did not expect that either. It was like, all of a sudden, like, whoa, oh shit, here we go. Like, uh, already, it's like, oh fuck, what's happening? They happened? don't waste any time. <laughs> right. And, and the fact that it goes, I mean, I, I won't discuss the ending here unless we're going to do like a spoiler thing, but it's just the idea that, that you're that tense up until the, like, right until like the screen cuts to black. Yeah. And then it's like this huge exhale from the audience. <laughs> Like oh, you finally get to let go of the seat. It's incredible. So many different shots that that just kind of stick out that you're gonna just be thinking about for a long time. I think you know, uh-huh. like it's like so many memorable shots in this movie. Um, like there's one where she's just floating inside. You know, you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Where, where she curls up in the field yeah, position. Yeah, where she curls yeah. up. Like that was just beautiful. If you have not checked it out, man, you definitely have to check this movie out. And it's if really... you can, you got to check it out in, in uh, IMAX. Yeah, and the way it uses kind of the idea of being space mm-hmm. of being in space to find your connection to the rest of humanity mm-hmm. when you're most when you are when you are literally as alone as you could possibly be yep. it's a, yeah I, uh, I think it was really beautiful yeah. great movie yeah. Everything. yeah I'm very excited about it I mean like this might be the movie that I'm rooting for when the Oscars oh, arrive I, I think so it, it definitely is my favorite movie that I've seen so far this year uh-huh. um, I don't think I don't know I, something I think, yeah, I think it is mine to knock, too, yeah. knock it off my 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 uh to top my list for this year so far yeah i think yeah it's it's a fantastic movie so uh yep you guys definitely got to check that out gravity should still be in theaters starring george clooney and sandra bullock yeah a must see um so i think that's about it yeah so yeah had a quite a bit to talk about actually (laughs) um but yeah that's it for for this this episode um thank you guys so much for listening Remember that you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. You can subscribe to the show on our website, somecinema.com. And if you have any thoughts on any of the movies, shows, or anything we talk about here in the show, you can email us, podcast at somecinema.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us there. 
And uh, the song for this episode is... Adagio in D minor. From the soundtrack of Sunshine. Another space movie that you should definitely check out. It's (laughs) either The Surface of the Sun or Adagio in D minor. They're very similar. You won't know. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you later.